Being a mom is, uh, it's a big job um, and it can feel lonely. And there can be pressures that come from, you know, either each other or culture. Um, and I think that having a safe place together where all of that can go away can help. Um, so momhood is a space obviously for moms. Um, it's not a Bible study. It is more of a place where you're going to find um, love and support. And so I find that if there aren't any prerequisite plans in place, it's more of a come as you are, come with what you have. Um, and you don't feel like you need to be um, prepped for any kind of class or anything. And we share our, our lives, our, our stories, our experiences. Momhood started in 2007. After I had Megan, my firstborn, I had no idea what I was doing. And I thought there have got to be other women that don't know what they're doing. And I would just love to come alongside them and support them because I wouldn't have made it without the support of my friends um, and other older women. Yeah, it's very much an alongside and with ministry. Yeah. It's not this, here are the older moms talking down to the younger moms or the younger moms talking up to the older moms. It's very much a level playing field. We're together. So one of my favorite things about momhood in our group that we have is that it was a space that we created where I did not feel alone. I mean, being a mom is is so hard, like we said, but it's also, you can feel very isolated too, even though there's so many moms out there, but you can feel so isolated in what you're experiencing. One thing I've really benefited from is just being able to come to this space that momhood provides and know that even though I have my specific struggles with motherhood, that they're similar to some other people's struggles. Um, and just to receive encouragement, you know, to hear that different moms maybe have different perspectives and I can glean from all of them and we can just encourage each other along the journey. I've been involved in life groups and I've done women's Bible study, which have been amazing. But as a mom, when you're in whatever stage your kid is in, having people that you are connected with that are able to share in your joys and sufferings, I mean, it's like, it makes all the difference. I just didn't want any woman to feel like they were alone on the journey. I wanted them to feel like they had both peers and the older woman that's just been, even if it's just a little step ahead, I wanted to go on the journey with other women. And there's just such a, a heart connection when we understand what's going on. Good morning, everybody. That was my wife describing motherhood as the joys and sufferings. <laughs> Very true. Uh, good morning. And if those of you outside, we, we're glad we can stream outside again and get some of you here to be with others. And we have many people watching from home. We're all over the place, you know different requirements in different places. We were joking around as a staff this week, masks required inside here, chairs required outside, pants not required at home for those of that are streaming at home. I heard many of you took, care, took advantage of that during uh, the lockdowns. Um, but hey, I wanna let you know about a few other things before I get into our message today that are taking place in the months to come. Tomorrow starts a really special season here at Cornerstone. We call it the Fall Feast, where we celebrate the Fall Jewish Feast that Jesus himself celebrated 
Each one of these feasts is loaded with meaning, but what makes them very, very special is how they reflect and point towards Jesus, okay? And so uh, we're, we loved con- making those connections for you. And so we want you to know that there are a number of resources that uh, we put on our website and also made very convenient to you. So let's put up that text number, and I want to encourage everyone to pull out their phone. We don't do this very often, but I'd encourage you to text Fall Feast to that number, That is the Cornerstones text line. You will receive in response to that a little booklet that describes the three fall feasts. But then you will also, when you send a text to that line, you will receive a devotional every evening starting tomorrow night for the next 10 evenings as we go through a season called the season of awe or uh, the days of awe. Many people choose to fast. Jesus did this leading up to Yom Kippur. We know that he is the sacrificial lamb. Um, All these things reflect him, just like Passover does in the spring. And so uh, it's a great way just to connect to your faith through that Jewish lens that Jesus and his disciples all had. And so um, you'll get the little booklet describing the feast, but it's a great way to track and make the next 10 days meaningful by following along with those devotionals. I will be reading those every evening. And uh, in fact, I'm going to be fasting for the next week or so. And so invite any of you to, to be a part of that. And we just want to make these seasons very special uh, here at Cornerstone. So, all right. Saying all that, I want to have us shift gears for a moment. And so you can close your eyes if you need to. Or you can keep them open. But I want you to go back in your mind. And I want you to use your memory for a moment. And I want you to think back to a time in your life that you are very grateful for because as you look back now with perspective, you're grateful for the change that occurred in your life, the healing that occurred, the transformation that occurred. So for example, this morning, I'm thinking about that season being a freshman in college and all of the change in growing up that needed to happen that year. And I'm very grateful for the change and even the transformation that occurred. So Just think for a moment, a time in your life that you're very grateful for the change that occurred. And as you do that, I want you to imagine what your life would be like now if that transformation or healing or change hadn't occurred. Because all change is a gift. All movement towards God's character, all healing that he wants to bring us is a gift from him. So imagine the time and imagine life without it. A few weeks ago, I was spending time with a friend who had just celebrated his 25th wedding anniversary, which is an amazing accomplishment. The thing is, though, this was his second 25th wedding anniversary. His first marriage to his first wife had ended in the 25th year because of some of his failures and his infidelity. So as he was approaching his second 25th wedding anniversary, now with his new wife, he was afraid and nervous because of what had happened in in the past. But his dear, sweet wife reminded him You are not the same person. God has changed your life. You are not the same person, and our story is not that story. He's grateful for transformation. I was spending time uh, last Sunday after the service with someone who's single and um, used to be married, now is single, and she's describing this as a season of growth in her life, as she's finding the advantages and the joys of once again being single, and I just thought, that what a gift that God is actually helping you change and grow during a difficult time. Transformation, all growth healing is always a gift. And here at Cornerstone, this is one of our important elements that the Lord has established here over the years. And for us, transformation is a lifelong endeavor. We define it as the process we engage in to become whole, healthy followers of Jesus. And so we want you to hear a balance today. This is a process we engage in. 
but we are not really in charge of the process. Growth comes from God. And so although there are things that we can do to, be, uh, to change and to heal and to grow and to overcome our shortcomings and our brokenness, ultimately all of the change that occurs in our life is because of God. It says in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's a discussion taking place in a church where a number of people have experienced incredible transformation. I can just imagine them talking about the healing that has occurred and, and maybe overcoming certain addictions, and they're very different. Re- relationships had been healed and reconciled. And they're trying to figure out who to give the credit to. Do we give the credit to the amazing teacher Apollos? Or do we give the credit to the amazing teacher, Paul? And Paul steps in and corrects him with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, But what after all is Apollos, what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. And as the Lord has assigned to each one his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. God causes the growth. Today, right now, listening or here in the room, there are people that they themselves are desperate for transformation and growth, and it's probably because life has gotten very hard, and you're beginning to imagine what your life will be like if you can't change, and if you can't grow, and if you can't overcome certain things. There are others in the room that are equally desperate for transformation, but you're thinking about it for somebody else. You're hoping there's change that's possible for them. And I hope you can be encouraged today that change is always possible with the Lord. Transformation is something he seeks to share with us all the time. There are other people in the room that seek transformation just all the time. They're constantly trying to go. The Bible calls these people wise people. So there's usually two things that motivate us to change in life. One is pain. And the Bible says the other one is wisdom. Heed the call of wisdom. Grow, mature, change, stay humble, stay open to the feedback of others so that the bottom doesn't have to fall out. So that things aren't ruined before you actually see what's true about yourself and have to face it. So there's a number of people, and then there's others that aren't interested in transformation at all. I would just say this to you. This message is one you file back away in your mind. And someday, when life confronts you with just some of the brokenness and unhealthiness in your own life, can have hope that God would bring about healing. And so all healing comes from God. And I wanna talk about it in three ways today, three different areas that we emphasize here at Cornerstone when it comes to growth. And this first one especially is unique to, to our church. And so the three areas are, we need a transformation that heals the past. We need a transformation that creates a future and an identity. And third is we need a transformation that shapes the present. And that is done through our habits. And so I wanna take you through each of these And I first want to talk about how transformation heals the past. And specifically, there needs to be a transformation that occurs in each one of our hearts. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is in one of those common interactions that he had with the Pharisees. And it turns into a confrontation because they're usually trying to catch him in something. Or Jesus is just trying to, um, in front of other people, say the way they're describing faith has nothing to do with God. And here we are again, that the Pharisees are trying to put on other people that all of this religious thing, all of this relationship with God, all it's really about are the rules that you follow and being a really, really good moral person. And Jesus is trying to correct them. They're saying what makes a person unclean are simple things like not following the Sabbath or what you eat and drink. And Jesus knows that the heart is always the issue behind brokenness and unhealthy behaviors. 
It's always the, 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 the cause behind the dysfunctional behaviors in our life. And so it says this in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what, it, these are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Now notice the big message that Jesus is sharing. He's saying the heart is the thing that needs healed. The heart is what needs transformed. Now of course there are certain things that we try to change in our life. There are certain behaviors that are illegal or that are harmful that if you're doing, you should stop. But real transformation starts in the heart. Ezekiel chapter 36, there's a beautiful image of what the Lord does for each person. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all impurities and from your idols, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove the old heart of stone and give you a new heart of flesh. It's the inner life that the Lord wants to transform. We too often, it's not just in religious worlds, the world today. I mean, just think about what's happened politically and socially. Everyone is trying to manage everyone's external behaviors. Virtue signaling is all about that. Look at me. There's very little heart transformation or real character taking place in many of those places. So let me mention a few places where the heart needs to be dealt with and how it can cause problems in our life. Here at Cornerstone, we love to talk about past wounds. Not because we love the past wounds, but we know that if a person does not deal with their past, there will be no healing, and it will be very, very hard to operate in life the way the Lord has called us to, which is relationally connected to him and to other people. Wounds harm us. So let me mention a few wounds. And, you know, I don't know this as well as our counselors and psychologists, but there are a few ways that we can describe it. So there are many different types of wounds that you study about when you go to school to learn these things, like literally different categories. Um, the first two are very prominent today. Most people have at least a wound that falls into one of these types. So trauma A wounds, the first type, are the wounds that happen when something harmful is done to you. You're, you're abused. You're molested. You're talked harshly against. You're betrayed. You're rejected. We were not created to ever experience those moments. When it happens... We're wounded. So trauma A wounds. Something happened to you or to me that shouldn't have happened. I can tell you that all of those wounds grieve God. He saw all of them and he weeps and wept with you. He weeps with you now and he wept with you then. Trauma B wounds are also common. These are the wounds that we get on our heart when we do not receive something, usually in our childhood, that we are meant to receive. Like the security of a home or the assurance that there'll be enough food, or both a mom and a dad loving you and caring for you, or many people go through their childhood without a single friend. That experience is wounding. We could go on. Many people today are experiencing event trauma because of the shooting that took place in March or over COVID. I mean, I had a traumatic moment this morning as I put my mask back on to come to church. Event trauma. There's trauma everywhere, there's wounds everywhere. 
And then you add on top of that the family systems that we come from. And I don't have a ton of time to describe family system theory here today, but what I will say is this, is every family has a system in way the family relates to one another. And the things that matter most in life regarding our beliefs about God, about ourselves, about love, about acceptance, comes from our family system. And so if you grew up in a family where love is conditional, you are wounded, You have a lie in your mind about the way God loves us because he loves us in an unconditional way. And so when you go to counseling, they help you actually work through these wounds and they help you work through family systems theory and all of these things are really important. But what I want you to hear today is that those things from the past, many people call them baggage. I like to describe it as a shadow. They follow us. And unless the wound is healed or the unhealthy family system is replaced with something more healthy, from the Lord, it will continue to cause pain in our life. A few years ago, I uh, read a study from Kaiser Permanente, and the study was, was looking how many of these wounds a person can actually handle before it begins to affect their life physically. So we're talking about emotional and spiritual and relational wounds. They did a study, it was called the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And what they found is that um, 67% of the population that they surveyed had at least one ACE, one adverse childhood experience, one type of trauma. One in eight people had more than four ACEs, more than one, more than one or, or four, at least four different types of trauma. And it's not just people coming from broken homes. 75% of college-educated people have an ace or more than one. Now, here's what they found. Unless those aces are dealt with, they manifest themselves physically in our body at times and harm our life physically. And this makes sense to me because everything is connected. There's not just a spiritual part of us and an emotional part of us and a physical part of us. They're all integrated. So even the medical world knows that if you've gone through some of these traumatic things in life, you will not get away from it. It is a shadow that stays with you until it's transformed. Now the amazing thing about Jesus is that he is the ultimate healer. The gospel is a healing message. It's not just a forgiving message. uh, Jesus can enter in and he can go into the wound and there there are certain things that we do here at Cornerstone that helps with this. I mean, counseling is one of those. A program we offer after the first of the year called Healing Care is a community experience where you go through this healing process. It's very powerful. But here's what happens. You bring the Lord into the wound, into that wounding moment, and then things begin to be transformed like the lies that we believe that come from the wounds. So if you're wounded by parents that never really loved you, you have a lie that says you're not lovable, right? That needs to be replaced. And so transformation for us here at Cornerstone often starts with going back to do that brave work that's very difficult and to have the Lord heal our heart from those past wounds and those family systems that have harmed us. Here's the second meaning of transformation for us here at Cornerstone. And it has to do with the way we see ourselves in the present, but really what it has to do is seeing ourselves the way Jesus sees us right now and in the future. Here's a passage we read a couple weeks ago. This is what's true about you right now. So you might not think of this as your identity, but this is how the Lord sees you. 
You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Over and over again, identity is spoken over God's people in the scriptures. It's one of the primary issues the writers of the Bible were trying to address with people just like us. You are not orphans. You are not failures. You are not rejects. You are not important just because of what you do on your own. You are a son and a daughter. And there's nothing that you can do to have that title removed from you. There's never been a day that God has not looked on your life and smiled. There's never been a moment that he has, he has kicked the chair, your chair out from his table and said, that person, you can no longer be there. There's never been a day. You have always belonged to God. Now, often this is the work that's not just done in the heart, but it's done in the mind. In Romans chapter 12, I think this is what he's describing. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. And then listen to this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will or his desire, his good, pleasing, and perfect will and desire for you. Paul's actually talking about identity, who you are, his desire for you the person that you'll be, the, the identity that you'll walk in. Now notice this. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Here's what I think he's saying. He knows something. The world is constantly squeezing us into its mold. The world around each of us is constantly trying to form us. It's pressuring us. It, it, it's, it's conforming us so that we might be what the world says that we need to be. Look like this. Earn like this, be like this, talk like this, think like this. It's constantly squeezing us. There's always a conforming taking place. And he's saying here, fight this fight. Fight this fight with your mind. Understand who God has called you to be. The world will put all kinds of negative thoughts in our mind. It will give us all kinds of false beliefs. But fight the battle every day and let the Lord show you who you really are. Now here's proof that the world is very powerful in conforming us into its pattern and into its image. How often, or let me ask you this question, how often do we mask up, and this is what I mean by that, how often do we pretend to be someone other than we are to please someone else? When I'm with my parents, I put on this mask. When I'm at work, I put on this mask. When I'm with my neighbors, I put on this mask. And we know in our heart of hearts that we're not being authentic people. We're simply putting on a mask to please the people in front of us. Why do we do that? Because we're being conformed. The world is incredibly powerful. So Paul says, fight that fight. Do not be conformed, but rather have your mind renewed with God's vision and image of you and of me. You know what it does practically? It makes it a little easier for someone to reject you or for someone not to like everything about you. But the beautiful thing about it, and this is ironic, is you will become a more authentic person and usually authentic people have more friends. So the Lord wants to give us this future identity and help us walk in it in the present, but we're constantly under this pressure and so we need his help. 
We need the help of the Holy Spirit every day to speak into our lives of who we actually are. You're able to handle the disapproval of others, but this is the work of transformation. God renews our mind. I am not defined by my last failure. I'm not defined by what that one person thinks of me. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a priest. I'm a king. God has shown great mercy. He's given me a future and a destiny to walk in. I'm going to live in that identity. Now, let me tell you what's wrong with my message so far, okay? This isn't a very good teaching technique, but we'll, we'll do it today. Everything regarding transformation starts with what Paul is saying here. Because if you go further back in Romans chapter 12, because, you know, the passage we just read started with therefore. So what that means is what came before it is actually affecting that passage. So, so there's something that comes before, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed. And that therefore is that we're loved and we're accepted and we belong to God. All spiritual transformation, all physical transformation, all relational transformation comes from God. And it starts from the place that we are loved. So if I had my choice, I would have started with this point. You're loved by God. Therefore, walk in the identity he's given you. But here's why I started with the past wounds. There are so many people that are so hung up with their past, they can't get to the therefore. So many people that are so bitter and angry and wounded and sad, they can't even metabolize in their mind and their heart that they're loved by someone else. And so often, we have to start by going back so that we can undo some of that tangling that the wounds create in our heart so that we can actually, a little easier, Believe and receive that God loves us, to receive his grace, to receive his power, so that we might walk in our new identity. So the problem with the message is I wish I could start with identity, but because we're such wounded people, we can't. So often we have to start with the past, but really the order doesn't matter. Here's the third thing. The Lord wants to bring transformation in the present by something that we can do. Uh, he gives us certain habits and rhythms in our life that nurture our soul so that we might change. First Timothy chapter four, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly for physical training is of, of value for both the present life and the life to come or value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full ex acceptance. Train yourself for godliness to be like him. The wholeness and health that God wants for us, the, the healing from the brokenness, the dysfunctional behaviors, what that does is he's giving us the character of Jesus, becoming like him. He's returning us to our original design. We were made in the image of God. Now, there are certain habits that help shape that. And so that's why over your course, uh, over, over your time here, over the course of time, while well, you're here at Cornerstone, you'll hear things about learning to read the scripture to be shaped by the scriptures, learning to submit to the scripture. And we learn to pray so that God can speak to us, so that he might help uh, move us in his direction to bring about that healing or speak identity into our life. And there are certain behaviors in our life that certainly change because God has called us to a distinct life. But our rhythms and our habits help keep us. Now, please don't hear this. Just because we do all of the things, transformation will occur. Often it doesn't. 
because we're doing all the right things for a different reason. We're doing all the right things to elevate ourselves and say, look at me. But the Lord does give us certain things that when we bring them to him saying, Lord, come help change me with these things, he can use them. And so I want to just mention what this looks like for me. And I hesitate in sharing it because I, I certainly don't want it to sound like, oh, here are all the things I do. Actually, take it this way. I do many different things because I'm a mess, all right? I need lots of transformation. But here's some of the rhythms that I have in my life right now. Currently, I have a monthly session with a professional leadership coach and counselor who's helping me just kind of recover from the last couple years. Every other week, I meet with an 80-year-old African-American mentor. He's a man who just messes with me all the time. He challenges me. He is not impressed by me, but he loves me, and he lets me have it. Now, I like that. That is helpful for me. My mornings are often spent in rhythms of prayer and scripture and worship. My weeks are filled with the rhythms or, or end with the rhythms of Sabbath and worship here with you, which is, has always been very helpful for me because it reminds me of the greater joys in life. I have the monthly ryth rhythm of giving financially because I'm constantly being conformed into this you are what you have. This materialistic, individualistic person our culture is constantly press pressing us for. Giving is actually a gift to me. I'm a part of a fire group with a bunch of guys. We meet about once a month for four or five hours. These are incredible men, and I walk away every time wanting to be different. It gives me motivation to not grow tired in doing what is right. Reading books and listening to podcasts and messages have also been helpful things for me in the past. They're not so much right now, but they have been, and there are other things. I see every one of those things as a lifeline to the Lord. That he is holding me, he is forming me, he is bringing transformation, he is bringing healing. Because guess what happens? Those wounds from the past that we talked about early on, they actually, those wounds keep coming. So our childhood wounds are certainly significant because of when they happened. But I know many of you right now are being wounded by people in your life currently. You're not even out of it. And there will be a time to go back and to, to, to deal with those wounds. But the Lord will use, use these different rhythms in your life to bring those about. So transformation is a past thing. It's looking to the future, but it's also a present thing. And these are the things we love to promote here. Our church is built on these things, and they will not go away. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up here um, because there's apples and honeys, honey outside for you today as we celebrate Yom Teruah. Um, and we're going to worship some more together. But I want to close by just giving you a chance to reflect on what it is that God might be calling you to. So I just want to invite you to go to the quiet place of prayer. It's about our heads. And I want to give you an image to hold in your mind before you begin to speak to the Lord. And it's the image that Paul used when describing the way God causes the growth. Imagine a garden. You are not a machine. You're not just a cog in the wheel. But there's so much life in you that the Lord has put inside of you. And the Lord acts more like a gardener than anything else. He nurtures the soil, he plants the seed. He uses people to plant seeds. He uses people to encourage. 
but it's the Holy Spirit that causes the growth. You know, the scientific world still has a hard time describing where life comes from and where growth comes from. And the reason for that is because it's mysterious. It all comes from God. We are completely dependent on his power to make any change in our life. And although there may be things running through your mind, things that you can do, things you want to do differently, things you want to try, be a part of, I want you to leave understanding that there is nothing that we can do apart from him that is lasting, that is healing, that is truly transformational. And often, just as it is in a garden, the growth can take time, and the results aren't seen at first. But change is happening. In way of just being open to God and following Jesus right now in this moment, I want you to ask the Lord for an area of growth. And as the Lord provides the power and just the mystery of change and life and growth, what is your part? What's that risk you need to take? That rhythm you need to build into your life? Lastly, I want you to consider this as you're just in the quiet place of prayer. I want you to consider sharing whatever it is the Lord shared with you with someone in your life, part of your community. He will share his power with you through others. So who might you bring in? Who might you share? share these things with, even if they're secret and hidden and things in the past, the most painful things in your life. I know it's risky, but there are people here in this church that can hold that space with you and the Lord will use them in your life. So Father, I wanna thank you for being here today. I wanna thank you for being a God that's well acquainted with every part of us, our mind, our heart, our soul, our bodies. Father, I wanna thank you that the gospel brings about ultimate healing. The word is sozo. It's the wholeness, health, and rest that the word shalom describes. We thank you that you're moving us in that direction, but Lord, we're also grateful that you share those things with us right now in the midst of a broken, unhealthy world, in the midst of an unbroken, unhealthy heart and mind. We ask God for new growth, new life, transformation. And so may we have the trust to put ourselves in your care. May we have the humility to rely on your power. 
May we have the courage to share it with others. And then, Father, I pray that you would give us what we need to begin to walk in new life. So whatever it is you've shared with others today, I bless all of those things in Jesus' name. And I say, let it be an amen to those things. May we look back at this moment and the season to come of growth with great gratitude, just the way we looked back on past moments as we started this message. May there be a time in the future we look back and say, look what the Lord has done in my life. And I can't imagine life without that transformation. Thank you that you're a God that does this. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Let's stand together.